want to share with you today. The title of the message is, When, when God Interrupts. When God Interrupts. Uh, you and I, all, we all know that we ought to be grateful for the times when God interrupts. Sometimes before I say something that I shouldn't say, uh, somebody will interrupt me and say, no. You know, maybe, maybe sometimes I need that. You, I know we've done that probably with our children before. Right, don't say that. <laughs> sometimes somebody needs to step in and interrupt. And we're all guilty of saying things or doing things at times that we shouldn't do. Uh, maybe we felt like we ought to do, but we probably shouldn't. But when God interrupts the things that we have planned, we need to understand that we need to listen. And we need to pay attention. Because God just says it doesn't interrupt for spite. God interrupts with a purpose. And for God, it's not an interruption. It's exactly according to His plan, exactly the time that He does it. And as we continue to read through Esther, we see more and more of this story coming. And, and today really is a turning point in the story. So let's go ahead and read this, and I'll read it. If you'd stand with me, we'll read from Esther 6, and then we'll talk about together when God interrupts. Esther 6, that night the king could not sleep, so one was commanded to bring the book of records of the chronicles, and they were read before the king. And it was found written that Mordecai had told of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs, the doorkeepers who had sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. Then the king said, What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants who attended him said, Nothing has been done for him. So the king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hanged Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servants said to him, Haman is there standing in the court. And the king said, Let him come in. So Haman came in, and the king asked him, What shall be done for this man whom the king delights to honor. Now Haman thought in his heart, Whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Well, won't he be surprised? Verse 7, And Haman answered the king, For, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought before uh, brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which is a royal crest placed on his head. And let this robe and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, Hurry, take the robe and the horse as you suggested, and do so for Mordecai the Jew who sits within the king's gate. It, it, it's humorous, isn't it? It really is. You can laugh. Leave nothing undone, all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and, and, and led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourned, and with his head covered. Verse 13, When Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, 
If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but you will surely fall before him. And while they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet which Esther had prepared. Let's pray. But we need you today to understand your word. And I need you to help me present it. God, thank you for how you're going to do that. And Lord, touch our hearts that we can hear. I ask you about any force that would keep us from planning your word, keep you from planning your word. And God, today, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the turning point, as I see it, of the story. And we now see that in spite of all of, of Haman's plotting, in spite of all his planning, and in spite of, of the king and everyone else that thought they were in charge, now we're about to see who really is in charge. Now understand, he's not just now becoming in charge. He's been in charge the whole story. But now we're going to get to see that before our eyes. And so here you are at the turning point of this story. Remember, Haman had it all planned out. He's already uh, petitioned the king so that on a certain days all the Jews are going to be destroyed. And then that wasn't enough. He wanted to personally take care of Mordecai. And so he, he is about to petition the king so he can have Mordecai executed on a gallows which he's already conveniently built. Now, I, I don't know what you know about the gallows, but in Western thought, if this was a Western type of gallows, we think of the old K Corral and hanging cattle rustlers from a rope. But if this is truly a Persian gallows, and all the studies prove correct, then the actual gallows, gallows is another word for wood, and it's basically a stake, big pole in which someone is thrust upon or impaled. Now, I got news for you. I don't want to die either way. Amen? But I want you to get the severity of, of how they're going to execute Mordecai. Sometimes we think we understand, well, it's just, you know, a gallows with a rope. But this is probably, best of our interpretation, a little different. And so he's planned to do this and get it done, and he's about to ask the king's permission. And that's why he's at the court in the first place. He just happens to be there, coincidence, when the king can't sleep. Isn't it just funny how that works out? A coincidence, you know, just happened to be that, that, that the king couldn't sleep. And so the king calls for the chroniclers, the people who read the chronicles, to come and tell him how great his kingdom and how great his, his reign has been. Some people, when they can't sleep, count sheep. The king wants to hear how good he is. Whatever works for you, amen? And so he has the, the readers, the royal chronicles read to him. And then he gets to the point that we already heard about earlier in, in the story in which Mordecai saved his life by discovering the plot of two men in the court that were going to kill the king. And so that's where we're at at this point. You see where we're at. You kind of see where we've been and now you're going to see where we're going and see, as we read this, it's exciting to me 
to see how God's will plays out even with the, with the enemy not expecting it. The will of God is going to continue to go on and you don't have to know anything about it. God's will is going to be done in your life whether you approve of it or not. Because God is God. Amen? In my life too. I'm not too big for God. I make mistakes. I mess up. I do things that I shouldn't. I open my mouth when I shouldn't. We all do those things. I take the wrong direction at times. I don't listen to God when I should. I'm no more, I'm, I'm no better than anybody in the crowd and at times maybe worse. But God's will is going to be done in my life. God's will is going to be done in your life. And we see it's about to play out here. People follow their own direction. They do things their own way. They have their own plans day in, day out. But when God interrupts, they can do nothing about it. The only thing they do is sit back and watch when God interrupts. And this chapter reveals to us a man who is blinded by his, his own pride and he's guided by his own agenda. But today, as we're together, I want to just take a moment to just look at what happens when God interrupts. So, the first principle that I would share with you today is this one. That your plans are subject to change. Amen? Your plans are subject to change, but God's plan is foregone conclusion. Now, you and I have plans for what we do today. I've already shared a little bit of you with mine. After I, I leave here, I plan on getting a quick bite somewhere, and then I plan on going to the funeral home. I plan on visiting at the funeral home, maybe rest a little bit this afternoon, and then I plan, if the Lord wills, to come back tonight to church, and I plan on being here tonight to deliver a lesson in Acts. That is my plan for today. That's what I plan on doing. But we won't know if I get to do that until later this evening. That's my plan, but God might interrupt. My plans are subject to change. But God's plans are already done. His will is a foregone conclusion. Haman planned completely out Mordecai's demise because he was a thorn in his flesh. A thorn in his, a pain in his neck. He decides, I'm going to go to the king. And, and even though all the Jews are going to be killed soon enough, I, I need this guy done away with a little bit earlier. Because he doesn't bow to me the way he's supposed to. And he doesn't pay me respect that I am so richly deserving of. And so he goes before the king and, and, and he, he, you know, we look at the story and we say, well, isn't it just neat how it all fits together? This was just a great story writer. Listen, this is God using people and they're, you know, we say, well, the king was so prideful. Don't worry about it. God knows how to use that. The, the king, oh, he was just a particular, I can't believe we, that's okay. God used every shortcoming the king had to accomplish his will. God used every little thing that, that, Haman had against him, and the wickedness in his heart, God was able to use that to still accomplish His will. You might say, well, now wait a minute, be careful with what you're saying, because God's not wicked, so how could use God use wickedness? Let me just share with you that God 
is over all things. And just because you think you're going to do something, or you may have something in your heart that is evil, God can work all through and past that. It doesn't stop Him. He's not blocked by it. And, and those little attitudes that you have, God can use them. Might use them against you, amen? But He can use them. And those little uh, idiosyncrasies and those little things about you that are character flaws that we... Isn't it amazing how we call sin character flaws? All those little things that are there. God can use them. You probably won't like how He uses them. But He can use them to accomplish His will. And Haman planned out Mordecai's demise. All he had to do was get the king's approval and, and that was pretty easy to do. Go to the king and, and pretty much you get his approval easily. Just just say the right things and show the proper respect and you get it. Just make it sound like it's his plan. He built the gallows and set out to approach the king. But he didn't know that the king was about to honor the very man that, that he wanted to kill. God made the king lose sleep. Can God make you lose sleep? <laughs> yeah, He can. You ever woke up and not know why? And you sit there and ponder and you think about it and you try to figure it out and before you know it, you're, you're praying and, and, and you're, you're, you're just praying. You don't know what you're praying for. And, you're, and, and you know, God will sometimes call you to pray for people that you're mad at. Many times He will. And, and if he don't, if you don't yield to it, something's wrong. You know, can, can you get mad at somebody? Even a, a brother or sister in Christ? Come on, don't, don't, uh, don't seem so high and mighty. Because I can't live up to that standard. We all do. And we have to deal with it. And, and as we look at this, he caused the king to lose sleep. Now that's a coincidence, isn't it? That's a, he, just, he just was having trouble going to sleep. And no, God says, now you're not going to sleep. And not only that, but I'm going to cause that book to be read to you to bring Mordecai to your mind. And I'm going to set all these events in place at the right time. And just when you're ready to honor Mordecai, then Haman's going to walk in. Haman's not going to know anything, but it's all going to fit into place and none of you are going to know about it. Did you know that's how God works? You think you're smart. You think you got it figured out, but I want to share with you, you don't know anything. And I don't either. God is the one that plans it out. God not only plans it out, He carries it out. And not a, God not only carries it out, but He moves the next step after that. He knows how you'll respond. He knows how you'll complain. He knows when you'll whine. And God's going to do it anyway. Because He's God. Your plans are subject to change, but God's plan is a foregone conclusion. God made the king lose sleep, had him go through the history. And some people, like I said, would try other ways. I don't know what you do to get yourself to go to sleep. Count sheep. Watch a little TV. Drink some warm milk. 
I don't know what your methods are. But he wanted to go to sleep feeling good about himself and about the kingdom that he was in charge of. And, and I can imagine as things were read, he, yeah, that was good. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. We really uh, defeated those people. Oh, we, we really took it to that kingdom. Oh, I remember that. He gets to the part where, where, where Esther is made queen. He says, oh, I remember that. And then he gets to Mordecai discovering a plot on his life. He says, I remember that, but what did we do for that man? If you do any kind of study on that, you find out that it was, it was big time social protocol to reward someone who did something like that. Persian kings were, were, they had a lot of uh, shortcomings. I mean, they had this whole thing about killing people. But they also were really good about rewarding those who had done something for them. And he realized that he had made a major oversight because he never rewarded the man. Just a coincidence. But yet God wanted him to withhold the reward till now. Your plans are subject to change, but God's plans are a foregone conclusion. Something else I want to share with you is this. That, that God's will and man's action work together to accomplish His purpose. God's will and man's action, and really I should have put, or inaction, work together to accomplish His purpose. God will use the things that man does, whether he knows it or not, to accomplish the things that he needs to get done. God used Haman, the king. He used Esther to accomplish His will. And I don't know that any of them knew for sure to what extent he was doing that. But he did. And we need to understand that that's the principle that's in effect in our life. Do you feel like God's moving in your life? Do you feel or see that God works on a day-to-day basis? There are days we probably do feel that. But there are days, if we'd be honest, we're probably not sure. I want to tell you that God's moving anyway. Even when he seems silent, even when it doesn't look like anything's happening, God's still not working. He's still moving. And he's still using you, probably sometimes in spite of yourself, but he's still working. Because we have highs and we have lows, don't we? All of us have spiritual highs to which we feel just so close to God. I I hope you're going through one of those this morning. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But I hope right now that everybody in the place is going through a spiritual high. I'm also smart enough to know that's probably not true. But I do know that we all have highs, we all have lows, and it doesn't matter where you're at, God's still moving and working. Whether you see Him, whether you feel Him, whether you hear Him, He's still working. And we need to understand this principle and how it works in our own lives. Even when things, listen to me, seem out of control, they're really not. You ever had a moment in your life or a season in your life where it seemed like everything was falling apart and you just sat there and said, what's next? What's next? I, I, I just can't take no... You ever said, I just can't take no more? 
And then usually some spiritual person will come along and say, well, that's okay, honey. God won't put anything on your, sh- on your shoulders that you can't handle. And I want to tell you something right now and understand what I'm saying. That's not really true. We hear that all the time. And I appreciate people who say that because they're trying to make you feel better. But you'll not find that in Scripture where it says God's not going to put more on you than you can stand. Now listen to me. I'm not trying to, to destroy your belief system. I'm going to make you feel better, I promise. But you're going to find that God will put more on you than you can humanly stand just so He can take it for you. Because there are things in our lives that are more than we can stand. There really are. And the whole purpose of what they're trying to say is that God always has us. And I got that. I believe that. He says, I know this is in there. He'll never leave us or forsake us. I got that one. Amen? But there are things in our lives that will be allowed to touch us that are really more than we can handle. And the only way they get handled is if we turn it over to God and let Him handle it. Because I've seen some of the stuff I've tried to handle. And it wasn't pretty. But when God handles the situation, it's done right. And so there are times, there are things in our lives that are beyond what we can deal with. And aren't you glad there's a Savior who steps in to deal with them? Church, He's there for you this morning. If you've got one of those things in your heart and your life, the things that you just can't handle, and you don't know what you're going to do, and it's just beyond yourself, then then quit trying to fix it and let God do it. Because God is the one who can do it. If I need a mechanic, I'm not calling a plumber. If I need an electrician... I'm not calling a cabinet maker. If I need a Savior, I'm going to call a Savior. Amen? I'm going to call Jesus. He's the one that can fix it. He's the one that can handle it. He's the one that can deal with the problem that I can't even think about. It might be a problem I can't even name. It might not be something, it might be something I don't even want to mention out loud. He's the one that can handle whatever I'm dealing with on any given day. And even when things seem like they're out of control, they're not. What are we called to do? To be faithful? We're called to be faithful. We're called to let God work in our lives and in the lives of others. Whether they honor Him, whether they know Him or not. Do we all know people that don't know God? They may know Him, but they don't act like it. Amen? The heathen. Somebody might be thinking that about you. Listen, we're called to be faithful. And it doesn't matter what's going on, God's still God. Last principle is this. Those who seek to hurt or hinder others never escape God's judgment. God knows when to handle a person who is doing wrong. He knows how to handle a person who's doing wrong. And it will be dealt with. Now that should be comforting for us who have been wrong. But for the ones doing wrong, might not be very comforting. Those who seek 
to hinder, to hurt other people. God will judge. He will handle. And we see that here. Because look at the story. Haman's got it all planned out. And then, and, and then look what happens. He gets before the king. And the king says, I, I got this person I want to honor. And Haman says, yes. And he says, this, what should I do for this person I want to honor? And, and, and Haman says, oh man, here's my chance. Ka-ching! Here's what I want you to do. I, I, you know, this is what you need to do. I, I need the robe. I need the horse. I need to walk around. And somebody needs to go before me and tell everybody how great I am. King said, that is a great idea. Get your walking shoes on. Because you're going to do that for Mordecai. The, <laughs> does God not know how to create a story or what? That is better than any drama Housewives can't beat that. There's not a show on television that has more drama, more humor than that. And folks, that's real life. God knows how to do it. And so Haman is bound by his own plan. He's bound by a king who told him what to do. And Haman goes, gets Mordecai. I don't know what he said to him. He probably said, come on. I don't know. How do you do that? And if I'm Mordecai, I'm smiling and I'm smirking. Now, the Bible don't say that, amen? But I know me. And he goes to Mordecai's, come on. And then Mordecai, probably Mordecai's dumbfounded. Because he's sitting up on a horse, being led around by his enemy, proclaiming how good he is. Listen, when everybody else wants to put you in the dirt, God knows how to exalt you. God knows how to lift you up. He knows how to let you be brought down, but He also knows how to lift you up. I'd have loved to have seen that, wouldn't you? Mordecai on a horse being led by Haman, who was trying to kill him. God could protect us in the midst of our enemies. See, those who seek to hinder or hurt somebody else, don't escape God's judgment. Haman's world's beginning to fall apart. We ain't even seen the worst of it yet. We'll see that next chapter. Because it's going to get much worse. Many times we wonder if the wicked will be accountable for what they do. Church, I want you to know, the wicked are going to be held accountable for what they do. Because God is a just God. I want to also share with you that you and I will be held accountable for what we do. We don't escape any sin in our life. That's why it's so important for our sins to be covered under the blood of Jesus. That's why it's so important that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you've asked the Lord to forgive you of all your sins, the one you've committed, the ones you may have committed today, and the ones you don't even know about yet that you're probably going to commit in the future. Listen, it's important to know that they're under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because he'll deal with them. In the life of a believer, he'll look to see if the blood is applied. And just like when he passed over the Egyptian and the Israelite children in, in Egypt with the plagues, if the blood is there, he'll pass over. And if the blood isn't, judgment will hit. As they come and prepare the invitation, I want you to ask yourself a very serious and somber question today. Do I truly know Jesus as my Lord and my Savior.
Not just know about Him. Not just am a good church attender, but is He your, the, who you're dependent on to take you from this life to the next life? If He's not, you can make Him that today. I ask you to stand. Father, speak to our hearts by the Holy Spirit and reveal to us the things that are wrong in our lives. Help us. God, if there's something that we're holding back or causing us to stumble, I pray that You help us and make it right. Lord, for those that may not know You, I pray You would convict them and bring them to Your altar before Your Your throne. In Jesus' precious name I pray.